Amen and amen. If you got a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, continuing our series entitled How to Be Great. As that video portrayed, uh, right, uh, the Lord uh, created us. Uh, we have a purpose and uh, uh, we're created to live for him. Uh, we were created to dwell in relationship with him. Obviously, that was marred by our sin, but God and his love, right, to demonstrate his love for us by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross. Uh, so that whoever believes in him can have eternal life. And uh, as I was uh, getting ready to come in during worship and watching the rain, I, I got to thinking, Brother Dwayne, of a couple reasons why I love uh, rain here in Tennessee. Uh, the first reason is uh, when it rains, most of the time it actually cools down the temperature. See, growing up where I grew up in Dallas area, it rained and it still was 92 degrees as it was raining outside in the summer. But more importantly, as I watch the rain there, I I am reminded of uh, God's grace in many ways, uh, providing for the uh, agriculture that's out there. But uh, it being a representation, a picture of the grace that he shows uh, us daily, the grace that he did show us, man, when we uh, turn from our sins and trusted in him. There's an old song, right? And the chorus goes, hallelujah, uh, grace like rain has fallen down on me, man, out of his love for us, man, he has shown us grace, lavished upon us grace, as Ephesians says. And for that reason, man, we ought to want to desire to live uh, for him. And so Matthew chapter 25, uh, we're looking at the greats that are found in the book of Matthew. We started those of you who may be new with us. Uh, the first week of this series, we start out by talking about the greatest of all time. Uh, that being Jesus in Matthew chapter 8. Uh, then last week we looked at the great commandment in Matthew chapter 22, the call for us to uh, love God with everything we have and love others uh, as well. Uh, and then next week we're looking at the great commission in Matthew 28, but sandwiched in between those two greats uh, is what is called the great compassion in Matthew chapter 25, oftentimes forgotten. But Jesus gives uh, this discourse in the midst of uh, his uh, end times uh, discourse that he's given to uh, the disciples there. He shares what is called the great compassion and shares really uh, how we're called as his people uh, to live uh, with a sense of compassion uh, for uh, each other and those that are around us. And so Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31, again, Jesus here is uh, is sharing, he's in the midst of his uh, end times narrative, kind of sharing about uh, what is going to come in the end. And he wraps up uh, his uh, talk, right, uh, starting in Matthew 24, with highlighting what is to come in the final uh, judgment. And in the midst of that, we see the great compassion take place. So Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. If you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. All right. And uh, we'll go ahead and read uh, the word of the Lord together. This is what the word says. It says this. When the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats will be on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, 
you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And then perhaps one of the more sobering passages in all of the scripture, starting in verse 41, says this. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you cursed into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not clothe me sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they will also answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you these ways, hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, truly, I say to you, as you did not do it to one of these, one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And those and these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Why don't we pray one more time together? Lord God, we love you. Again, we thank you for your word. God, I pray right now, Lord, as we uh, dig into your message, Lord, that uh, God, you would be exalted high and lifted up, Lord. God, give us ears to hear. Uh, Meet us where we are this morning, God. God, we ask that you have your way, Lord. I pray that as your people, God, we would leave differently than the way we came. This would be more than just another Sunday in the routine of life, Lord. God, but because we met with you, Lord, we'd leave differently than the way we came. We love you. We thank you. And we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. The great compassion. The great compassion. Before we dive into the elements of the sermon, what I want to do is quickly highlight a couple of themes uh, regarding, uh, you know, a theology that we see here in this passage, a couple of themes for us, which one we'll focus on uh, after I get to it. The first theme is this. You see here in Matthew 25, as I talked about, uh, eschatology or end times uh, theology taking place here. Jesus, right, is wrapping up uh, his uh, talk about what the end times are going to look like. Right. And what he's saying here, man, is that, hey, there is going to be a judgment that comes. There'll be a judgment that comes. Now, hey, do we know exactly how the end times are going to shake up? No. But what I do know is, hey, if I'm in Christ, I win and I'm going to be with him one day. And that's what's most important. But we see right the theme of uh, end times taking place here. One day, hey, Jesus is going to come back and rule forever and come back and rule forever. And if we're in him, man, we win in the end. Second thing that we see is this. Hey, life after death. Life after death. Hey, church folks, there's folks that, that are in the church that, that uh, struggle to believe that there may actually be life after death. 
there was a, a famous uh, a, a theological thought that ran around the church for a little while called uh, annihilationism, which means that, hey, when you die, you just cease to exist in the end. That's not true. It's clear here. Jesus talks about there's life after death and there's specifically two places that you go when you die. You either go to a place called heaven, right? Eternal uh, life is what Jesus talks about here. Or you go to a literal place called hell. There's two places. Life after death. Good thing is, hey, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, hey, we can make the choice on where we go. If you choose to believe in him man, hey, you spend forever with him. It's life after death. Then thirdly and lastly, and what we'll focus on today is the theme of uh, soteriology or uh, the theology of salvation here. It's so easy to read a passage like this, Brother Ryan, and many folks have done this before. They get tripped up and think, wait a second. The folks that are going to heaven, right? They, they got to heaven by just doing a whole bunch of good things for God. Count me in. Shoot, if I'm just nice to a couple people, then, then I'll get to God. That, that's, that's not true. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Hey, the Bible says salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in one man, Jesus Christ. It's only through him that you're saved. Yeah, you can be the greatest person you can be, but if you've never repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, hey, you're not going to spend forever with him. Only one way, man, to heaven, and that's through Jesus. It's not about performing your way to heaven. Right, it's by choosing to place your faith and trust in him. What Jesus is saying, though, is this. Hold on. Hey, it's not about performing your way to heaven. Hey, but whenever you get saved, there's going to be proof of the fact that you've been saved. And that proof is going to be evidence in what Jesus talks about here. In showing compassion, caring for one another. Hey, living lives open handed. Here, here's, here's what it is. Hey, proof of your salvation is going to be shown in you living the blessed life. The blessed life. And that's what I've entitled the message today. Living the blessed life. You may hear that and say, uh oh, hey, you're getting into name it, claim it, prosperity gospel stuff. The blessed life. Hey, can I go ahead and tell you, I think I've said it before, but hey, that prosperity gospel stuff, it's a lie from the devil. Lie from the devil. Try it. Hey, you can pray and ask God to bring you that new Maserati. See if, see if he'll bring it to you next day. I've, I've told him, I've talked about it before, man. I pray that God, Brother Ryan, hey, would make me 6'4". Be, hey, be able to windmill done. It didn't happen. Genetics weren't on my side. Hey, that, hey, that's not prosperity gospel here. What he's saying is this. Hey, the blessed life is actually a life, man, that is lived for others. He's saying this. Hey. With what you've been blessed with, the call as a Christian, man, is to look to live lives blessing others. The blessed life, the blessed life. I want to highlight real quick uh, two characteristics that we see here in Matthew 25 of, man, what the blessed life looks like. What the blessed life looks like and what we ought to, man, uh, exhibit in our life as followers of Christ. Hey, the first characteristic that we see here is this, man, a life of radical generosity. Hey, a life of radical generosity. The blessed life, man, is a life lived in Christ, man, being radically generous. Jesus talks about it here, right? He talks about, hey, those that are saved, man, the proof of their salvation is this. The the sheep that are uh, in this passage here were the ones that, man, when folks were hungry, they fed them. When they were thirsty, they provided a drink 
for them. When they were naked, they clothed them. Hey, Jesus said here that the blessed life wasn't about how much they knew. It was about how much they cared and served those that they were around. And the blessed life is a life of radical generosity. Radical generosity consists of living selfless lives in the name of Jesus Christ. Hey, it's understanding that the stuff that I have, the stuff that I've been given, right at the end of the day is not mine, but it's a call for me and to be a good steward of it. Man, a life of radical generosity. I love what James 2, 14 through 17 says. I believe the men's Bible study, Pastor Greg, y'all looked over this passage yesterday. By the way, shout out, hey, men in the room, if you need a place to connect for men's Bible study, check out our men's Bible study Saturday mornings here, led by Pastor Greg. Uh, he's awesome. And I hear there may be donuts, or maybe that was just a rumor. It's a rumor, okay, my bad. It's a rumor. Never mind. Hey, come, hey, come for the word. Come for the word. J- James chapter 2, uh, verse 14 through 17, right? James here is talking about faith and works. Some folks say, hey, they have faith, but there's no works to exhibit that faith. He's saying, man, at the end of the day, it's dead. It's dead. Look what he says. He says this, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Man, hey, I mean, the blessed life is a life of radical generosity. You may say, Pastor Irv, hey, what, what? Practically speaking, man, hey, just give it to me practically. What does that look like? How can I take steps, man, to live in that kind of life, man, right now in my life? Well, the first way you can do that, right, is choosing to be one that invests, man, in the life of God's organism, the church. Investing in the church. Man, that's the first step you can take. Hey, the purpose and why we exist Man, is on a larger scale, man, hey, look to do this, i.e. give hope. By the way, that, that is our vision piece as a church, man, to go all in. And one of those areas is going all in for our city. Clarksville is an area, man, that is full of need. One in every six people go hungry at night. Man, we've got, you know, agencies like Manic Cafe and other places that are doing their best. But, man, there's still several folks. It, it's expensive to live right now. and People are struggling. And so you choosing, right, as a family to make the decision to, first and foremost, obey God and tithe, right, give a tithe to the local church. But you then choose, man, to go above and beyond what you can, man, so that we can bless the community. That's a great way to live radically generous. We, as the people of God, are called to invest in the church of God to carry out, at the end of the day, the mission of God. And those that are given, hey, you do that, by the way. You do that. These areas that I mentioned, Manic Cafe, we do a mobile food pantry twice a year at our main campus there, where over 300 folks end up getting groceries, man. For some, right, they weren't going to be able to eat that day if they didn't get groceries there. It's because of your giving we're able to do that. Hey, it's because of your giving we're able to bless kids, man, that are struggling in the school systems here. Bless them. 
right, with backpacks and other things. It's because you're giving, right, that we're able to do that. And by the way, it's, it's more than just a, a benevolent living. Hey, during those times, right, to, uh, you're giving an investment for us to be able to, to do those things. It opens up a door for us to be able to step in and share the gospel. As we go and do the Manic Cafe Mobile Food Pantry, Pastor Greg and others lead a team, man. They go and pray for folks, share the gospel with folks. We get to go in schools and do that. Man, I went to Kirkwood uh, High School uh, Friday helping out as a team chaplain. Got to share the gospel with the whole team there. Because hey, because, hey, because you're giving, we're able to bless them. They, so choose hey, to invest in the life of the church, man. That's the life of the church. Because of your investment, We've been able and will continue to be able to take the gospel to places. And so invest in the church. Hey, live open handedly. Invest in the church. But also, hey, what this looks like. Radical generosity looks like this, man, investing in people that are around you. At the end of the day, talks about, hey, you clothe, man, hey, stranger there. Clothe them. Brother Ryan, I remember when I was in uh, high school, I had this Spanish teacher, uh, Senora Roach was her name. Miss Roach, Miss Carolyn Roach. And um, had it for two years in a row, 10th grade and 11th grade. Now, 10th grade, those were the B.C. days, before Christ days for me. I was not uh, the greatest person in the world, one of the nicest person in the world. And in her class, you know, I was one of those kids that I enjoyed school, but I, you know, wanted to be the class clown of the class. But all you had to do, like I talked about a couple weeks ago, is threaten to call my parents. And that I got quite quick. I got right quick. But in her class, man, I, I was uh, a terror in there, uh, for lack of a better way to say it. Uh, when my junior year comes, I have her for uh, advanced Spanish, Spanish three. And I remember sitting in there. God was doing a work in my heart, end up getting saved. And uh, my buddy was saying, hey, man, y'all going to lead FCA. So I want you to go to FCA camp. Well, FCA leadership camp was like 300 something bucks. I didn't have the money for that. Well, uh, Miss Roach. Right. She found out that I needed help. And so she willingly paid the 300 something bucks for me to go to camp. It wasn't like I was one of her kids or one of her best students. I wasn't. I was probably on the list of one of the worst ones. Yet because she understood this principle of radical generosity. Hey, she lived life open handed. The Lord told her to give and she gave. And by the way, can I go ahead and tell you, I went to that leadership camp, came back my senior year, got to lead FCA. And I believe, man, that was one of the first steps. And God called me to ministry, vocational ministry. So she played a part in that. Listen, don't miss the picture, church. Hey, when we choose, man, hey, to follow the Lord's lead, man, and, and, and give to that person we pass on the street, even though, man, we think, oh, they may not use it for the right means. You don't know what they're going to use it for. Choose to be obedient. When God encourages you, hey, to to give, to invest that family, even though it may stretch things a little bit as a family in that moment. Hey, give and trust him. He'll take care of you. Hey, choose to live a life of investing in other people. Like I said, hey, we have been blessed to be a blessing. Been blessed to be a blessing. And by the way, can I go and throw this in free charge before I move to my last point? Hey, we ought to be folks that live life open handed because By the way, we've been given the greatest gift. I've talked about it already, but I'll go ahead and talk about it again. We've been given the greatest gift. Hey, God Almighty, the one that sits high, right, and stoops low, the psalm says. The one that sits above the circle of the earth. Yahweh Hashemim, Lord of the heavens, right? He cared enough about us, had compassion enough about us at our lowest to send his son Jesus, man, to die on a cross for us. He didn't have to do it. 
God doesn't need us. He doesn't. But because of his love for us, man, hey, he made a way. Gave us the greatest gift. And for that reason, as his people, man, we ought to be folks, man, that live lives open-handed. Be folks that live lives open-handed. You may say, Pastor Irv, I don't have a ton. Hey, man, seek the Lord and, and, and see what it means to give to the church. What does that look like? God, I don't, Pastor Irv, I don't know what that person on the side of the road is going to do with that money. Hey, it's up to them and the Lord, man. But if he's leading you to give, man, you give. Man, choose man, to be a blessing to others. Live lives open-handed. Romans 12.1, I'm moving to my last point. Says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Man, we're called, hey, to lay our lives down on the altar of the Lord every single day and let him lead our life. And that includes our pocketbooks as well, our checkbooks as well, our bank accounts as well. Hey, choose to live lives radically generous, man, because we've been saved, man, we ought to choose to be folks that live lives, man, open handed, radically generous for him. But not only that. Man, the blessed life is not a life, is not just a life, rather, of radical generosity, right? It's also, man, a life of real hospitality. Look back at the text here. When Jesus is giving his uh, communication, right, about the sheep and the goats, he says this here. He says, man, when I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came to me. Jesus here was not only talking about meeting the needs of those who were in need, but also right living hospitable lives, inviting folks to come into our lives and living lives of real hospitality. That's a marker of a life, man, that's been changed by the gospel is one who is hospitable, hospitable. Man, because, man, the Lord was hospitable to us. Hospitality is the act of welcoming someone, man, into your life. Right? When we think of that word hospital, we think of hotels and, and hospitals, some hotels and some hospitals, depending on where you're at. Right? But that word, right, it has a little more connotation to it, right, in the original language, that word hospitality is found in the New Testament only four times. And the word, right, it denotes not just action, but also affection. It's a both and. It's about welcoming, right, and loving that stranger, that widow, that friend, that church member, that co-worker. It's a both and. See, you, hey, you can uh, complete the action of welcoming somebody into their life, but not care a lick about them. I've been there. I've been to plenty of places like that. But this word here, hospitality, and what Jesus called for us to live by, real hospitality, is both welcoming and loving them. So both and. I remember when I was, uh, uh, again, in high school, Brother Josh, and uh, I wasn't even a Christian at this point as well, but was going to church some. Had a good buddy uh, of mine, went to another school, Christian school, where their church would go and do prison ministry. Um, and uh, when uh, uh, he asked me one time to go, I was 
thinking, I, I'm good. I've got other things to do. Maybe I'll do those chores that my mom told me to uh, do, man. Good time for that. I wasn't trying to go to no prison. You know, about an hour and a half south of Dallas area where I was from, you know, uh, Marlin, a little old town called Marlin, Texas, uh, where they had a big prison there. I was good. But I ended up going with my buddy to like, the, I think one of the info means or he told me about who was going. And Brother Devin, man, there were a couple of girls that I was interested in that were going. So I said, you know what? I'm going to change my tune. I think I'm going to go. I'm going to go at the end of the day. Didn't ha- hey, didn't have the right motive at all. But, hey, I went. And I'm glad I did, because when I got there, Brother Lou, man, hey, my life was changed. It was. Not in the sense of me, hey, being able to go and do charitable deeds for folks that were locked up. Some, man, were never going to see the light of freedom. But it was changed because, man, the folks that were there, the students that were there, the adults that were there, not only were they welcoming of those folks, man, they showed that they actually cared about them. Here it is. It wasn't just another charity case for them. It wasn't just another to-do list to check off the box for them. They actually cared and loved them. And so that was exhibited in sharing the gospel, having conversations, hearing their story, and wanting to go back and serve over there. And I just, when I think of that story, I think of that picture and really ask the question right are we folks that are living man real hospitable lives the folks that we know that the lord man is encouraging us to connect with man are we choosing hey to just welcome them in because hey it's another deed man that's going to add to our mark you know of good christian person or oh man are we asking the lord man to help man change our heart to truly man love them welcome them in Yes, the the quote-unquote stranger or the quote-unquote neighbor, but man, even around this room, those that are part of the church here. Are we choosing to live, man, true lives? Hospitality. Romans 12, 13, man, calls for us to do that. says this, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. 1 Peter 4, 9 tells us this, show hospitality to one another without Grumbling. Man, this speaks again to our vision of being folks that are called to live all in. Man, we want to be great neighbors who are hospitable to newcomers that come into the house of the Lord in this city. Man, we want to love and connect best we can with our literal neighbors and co-workers, man, and, and folks that perhaps are on the fringes, man, of life and society. And then connect with them and give them the love of Jesus. And because that was given to us again, man, we were at our lowest. Hey, did you know that we serve, man, a hospitable God? I believe I'll say that one more time. Hey, did you know that we serve a hospitable God? church? Man, cared enough about us. Thank you. Hey, well, I heard a few amens. Appreciate it, Diana, adding in there. But hey, aren't you glad, man, we serve a God that left heaven? To come and dwell among us, man, so that we could have life in him. Hey, to bring us into becoming a part of his family. The Bible says we were once orphans. But man, now we've become a part of his family. Hey, Galatians 4, 7 tells us now, man, hey, we cry out, Abba, Father, because we're sons and daughters of him. First John 3, 1 says it like this. See what kind of love. 
the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Our response to loving a hospitable God is to show real hospitality to others. Our response to loving a hospitable God is to show real hospitality to others. Some questions to consider as we close today. Talk about the blessed life. What needs to shift in your life for you and your family to live radically generous? What needs to shift in your life for you and your family to radically live generously. And then second question, man, what does real hospitality look like in your life? Man, I can tell you where it can start to look like, man, hey, being hospitable to those that are in this very room. Hey, choosing to have a conversation, meet with somebody that you hadn't met yet. Somebody that you don't know, folks that have been here a while, somebody that you see that you don't know, man, go and shake their hand. I know you may be a little nervous about it, but hey, I tell you what, I guarantee you they'll appreciate it. Unless you like sneeze in their face or something, they probably won't appreciate that. So don't do that. But hey, I guarantee you they'll appreciate you. Hey, going and shaking their hand. Hey, inviting them to come to your family group, inviting them to lunch, inviting them into your life. And choose to be folks, man. That let's be folks that live, man, radically generous lives. Be folks that live lives of real hospitality. I'll close with this. The the Palestinian shepherd, you know, talks about the sheep and the goats here. Right. And um, the distinguishing the two. Right. Jesus one day will distinguish the two. The Palestinian shepherds, first century Jerusalem there, um, had a method of separating the, the two. And the certain method that they use, I can go into it, but, you know, it'll take a few minutes. The certain methods that they used, right, the reason why they used them, because Brother Lou, man, the sheep and the goats, man, they looked eerily similar. It was hard to distinguish, man, from, you know, a distance, the difference in the two. Externally, you know, exterior-wise, man, they looked super similar. But the method that they used, man, they were able to distinguish. Oh, wait, no, this sheep, you know, this is a sheep. Because of the feature that they have versus this being a goat. And man, oh man, can that be said, too, about those that are in the church house? The truth of the matter is, and I'm not trying to say this to scare anybody. I'm just I'm just keeping it 100 with you. Man, hey, there are many folks, man. That externally, man, hey, they, they look the part. They sing the songs. They know the word. But the truth is you're in the category of the goat. Why? Because, man, there hasn't ever been a real conversion. You say, Pastor, Herb, how, how do you know that? Well, there, there's no fruit of your life. There, there, there's no indicator. There's no indication. There, there's been no heart change there. And that shows in, in how you live. If your life hadn't been changed. I say you've come to Jesus and, and, and there's been no change in your life. Then can I tell you, you've met the wrong Jesus, man. 
He changes us. He changes us. And so if you're in here and you don't know him, and I encourage you to call on his name. The Bible says you can call on his name. Repent of your sin and trust in him. You'll be saved. Those of us in here who are a part of the sheep fold. Right? That doesn't mean we're going to live perfectly. There'll be times when we stumble and fall. But man, let me encourage you. The blessed life, man, is a life that's lived, characterized, and living open-handed. Life lived, man. Hey, graciously blessing us. We can't take the stuff we got when we go. All the gadgets and gizmos, all the stuff that we got, it ain't going to go with us. You can't put it in your, it's not going to go on the tombstone or, you know, in your grave there. Man, and so make the most of it. I'm not choosing to live outward, man. Most of us in here, man, we're blessed beyond measure financially. We are. Things may be tight, man, because life and season. But, man, let me encourage you. Hey, choose to be folks that live the blessed life by living open in. Living open.